Hello, adventurers. My name's Tyler. And I'm Richard. On today's episode, we'll be giving advice to new players interested in diving into the fantastical world of Dungeons & Dragons. Welcome to True Strike. So, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, boy. Your friends are all playing, and it sounds super interesting, right? Yeah, it sure does. We're going to tell you how to do that. Oh, cool. (laughs) So, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons uh, has had a nice surge in popularity, uh, I would say, since the lockdown. Because it uh, it started to gain popularity with the Netflix show Stranger Things, and then when everybody was locked up in their houses with nothing to do other than worry about the COVID nineteens and uh, didn't you know get to hang out with their friends as much, um, I think Dungeons and Dragons started to become really appealing because it was a game that people could play collaboratively over the internet and have a lot of good times. Which that's a very interesting point you bring up playing over the internet yeah dungeons and dragons is typically a game thought of being played in person making believe with your adult and childhood friends all sitting around a gaming table it translates pretty well to online though well yeah because a lot of people were using zoom so it was you know real easy for you just to plop in with yourself sitting at your desk Mm -hmm. or at a table so it kind of had that feeling of being at a table with your friends right yeah and luckily uh and luckily a lot of us play using a thing we like to call the theater of the mind. Yeah. So all it takes is some well-descriptive words, some thoughts and some feelings and some dialogue between friends, and you can picture the whole thing. Now, of course, there are other mediums, and we'll get to those, uh, to have like a digital tabletop of sorts. But this video is something we wanted to put out as like a field guide. For anyone looking to getting into Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. Yeah, because even as popular as it is, you will still encounter many people in the wild that have only heard of Dungeons and Dragons because of things like Stranger Things. Or the Dungeons and Dragons on our movie. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and they uh we've actually had this question come up when we've been talking about it at work or out socially. People are like, Yeah, what exactly is Dungeons and Dragons? And then the obviously the next question is, Well, how do I play Dungeons and Dragons? Mm-hmm. What do I what do I do? What do I you know, do I have to buy a board? Is this an is app? This like a, yeah, do I download something? Do I go to Barnes and Nobles and buy a box? And I'm, I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons now. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, it's a really good question. What do you have to do to play Dungeons and Dragons? And obviously, this isn't like the definitive you have to do everything on this list kind of a situation here. But what we're going to be going over is the uh, the different things um, that you can do to approach Dungeons and Dragons, like how you would approach it, you know, as a new player or somebody who has maybe kind of delved a little bit, but wants to get a little bit deeper. Absolutely. And first off, I would like to bring up the official website that uh, Wizards has been advertising themselves and pushing lately called PlayDnd.com. Yeah, so PlayDnd.com is their kind of jumping off point um, where you can kind of go in and start your adventure. And one of the very first things that they have on PlayDnd.com is uh, to get yourself a D&D Beyond account. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Which we highly recommend, even though we play home games in person most of the time, sometimes we do play online. And no matter how we're playing, 
we always use dndbeyond.com. It manages your character sheet for you. It makes finding items much easier. If your dungeon master needs to do anything for editing your sheet or anything like that, it's all right there, easily accessible. And one of the best parts about it, in my opinion, is that the dungeon master can purchase a dungeon master subscription tier and any books or anything they purchase will be shared amongst anyone else in the party in the group and then no one else has to fork over any money at all yeah it's great but D&D Beyond isn't the you don't have to have it so you can still play Dungeons and Dragons without ever touching D&D Beyond mm-hmm. um, playdnd.com does have that as the opener right so the very first thing that they show you is hey create an account through D&D Beyond because obviously they they do want people to use D&D Beyond, and it does make things incredibly easy and convenient. With it, it's never been easier. Yeah. But if you go past that, uh, basically, playdnd.com gives you some examples of what you can expect when going in. So they give you some very um, overview previews of some species and uh, class selections. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see, like, the... Um, you know the stereotypes so the the first three that are right there on the jump page are the human barbarian the elf ranger and the human fighter mm-hmm. so those are like the you know your stereotypical fantasy setting kind of you know this is the generic character what you can kind of expect it's digestible for those yeah, coming in easily digestible um, so they they kind of show you those so that it's a nice little opener and then from there they kind of show you some of their opening modules yes yeah, so they have like actual purchasable uh, modules that you can go out and buy that are, you know, your nice little enclosed box sets, uh, which is why I say you don't have to have D&D Beyond, um, because if you go buy one of their starter sets, which they actually have linked on PlayDnd.com, uh, everything you need to play is in that little box set. I mean, you're getting, you know, uh, maps, you're getting a starter booklet, you're getting an actual set of dice, and you're getting character sheets. So you don't have to use D&D Beyond to use one of those starter sets. You can just kind of jump in with, I think, the uh, I think the uh, Lost Mines starter set is around Lost $24, Mines dollars, I yes. think. Yes, Lost Mines of Thundelver is on there. Yeah, That's I think it's 24 bucks, maybe 19 when it's on sale. And I think it's one of the first ones that they pitched to you on startdnd.com. Mm-hmm. Play uh, D&D. Uh, as one of the you know easy jumping off points. Yes, and that's a great one. It gets you into the Sword Coast and stuff like that. So you get yourself uh, situated with what ends up being <laughs> the uh, focus of a lot of the modules Yeah, is that area of land. But one of the more recent starter sets they're uh, pushing a little bit, and it's uh, fairly reasonable to get into, I believe it's $20 is the Dungeon Dragon starter set, uh, Stormwreck Isle. Yeah. And my favorite part about this website and this starter module, for example, is they have a little choose-your-own-adventure <laughs> on the site. And you go through and you do like a little survey thing, and it kind of like, all right, what what class would I like to play? And you answer some questions, and it's like, okay, you should be, based on your choices, a paladin. That would be cool for you. This is how paladins are. This is a brief description. Uh, is that what you'd want to be? If you say yes, you go through this short little choose your own adventure, make a couple decisions, and then bam, it gives you this little backstory almost of the decisions you made, and it leads you right into the beginning of Stormwreck Isle. And if you and your full party, you all go on and do this, you can establish a backstory that you have kind of made with very little effort. Going yeah. into this very short campaign 
that could blow up into something bigger. And it's cool that they hold your hand just enough to let you make some decisions that influence the story, but also like, let's, let's do this together. Yeah. And right there, um, like he said, you, you jump into those campaigns, which are very short campaigns, um, but they're a good way to get your feet wet. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it uh, very easily transitions over into D and D beyond. So even if you're just using those materials that they give you in that starter set, it's very easy to either play those beginner modules in D&D Beyond. Mm -hmm. So if you're ready for the digital, you can transfer all this information over into D&D Beyond and actually use it during those campaigns. You could use the paper character sheets and everything that come with them and then eventually transfer that over to D&D Beyond so that you can take those characters that you made for that starter adventure into bigger modules or even, you know, other types of games. Or a home game that you've made up completely for yourself, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, or just paper forever. Yeah, you can, you can, be, stick a, with you can paper. be a purist. Yeah, you don't have to go with D&D Beyond, but mm -hmm. D&D Beyond, it's never been easier. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's we say that as a joke, and it is kind of like a running joke in the community, but it really is very convenient. It's true. I uh, Everything I do, D&D-wise, <laughs> yeah. &D I use D&D Beyond for, and without it, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> yeah, it it is so convenient how well it tracks everything yes. and how everything is put in a nice simple place. Because obviously using paper, you know, that's how I started. You know, there wasn't even a hint of D&D Beyond. Yeah, computers <laughs> didn't in exist in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, so when we played it was all papers, right? So the only way for the DM to have any information was to gather up all our papers at the end of the game and take them from us. And then we <laughs> didn't have our papers. You didn't even know your own character. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have your paper to reference. You don't have, you know, your your bag to look through or anything like that. But now with D&D Beyond, you have access to your character if you want to go back and look at something. You want to look at a stat or something like that. Or you want to, you know, read something that you wrote down in your notes. And your dungeon master also has access to all of this as well. Right. So that's super cool. And then the other thing that you had touched on earlier was the tiers of dungeon master. So your dungeon master can own, obviously, a lot of books. And, you know, most dungeon masters out there are collectors in their own right so it's, they're it doesn't start that way but yeah they quickly escalates they're buying modules and books uh you know because that's what they do and being able to share that down to your players is very convenient because all of a sudden now as a player if you're in a game with a dungeon master that has access to all these different books you now have this wealth of knowledge at your fingertips you can jump in and reference a book you know with just a, a simple download onto your phone or your tablet or even just browsing it on the web with no download at all. Mm -hmm. And that's a, it, you know, it, maybe that's a big ask, like, Hey, new player, go find a dungeon master who already owns the content and is willing to share it with you. But if that's the case you're in, which actually happened to be me and Richard's, uh, introduction to D and D five E we had a dungeon master who exactly had that situation. Yeah. He ran, he's like, I'm going to run a campaign. You guys don't worry. You don't have to buy anything. I've got you covered. I'm just going to share the stuff with you. Yeah. And we, all you we, have to do is make an account on D&D Beyond, and we're golden. Yeah. And that's all it took. And it was amazing, and it worked out wonderfully, and 
Thank you, DM. <laughs> yes. That was great. Yeah. Because of you, I've spent a lot of money myself on this website and <laughs> am uh, in the same pit you fell into. Yeah. But not everybody is going to have that option. Um, so you're not always going to have a DM in your area that is either going to make a dummy campaign for you to come in so you can look at books or is going to actively run a campaign for you so that you can have access to those books while you play in that campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously that's not always the case but you know best case scenario but if that's not the case uh, there are some books that you should probably pick up or look at right yeah and i personally think you should grab these especially if you're the dm but players as well uh physically is great to have these just because these are your core books you will come back to but they do sell them on dnd beyond and having them digitally is also a great choice especially if you're in the digital revolution and you've got an iPad or whatever, and you can just pull this up wherever. But what I'm getting at is the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Monster Manual. Yeah. These three are your religious text. Those are your core tenants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you buy it physically, they sell a, a set called the Core Rulebooks Gift Set. It's, I think Amazon typically has it for like 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. It comes with a DM screen. It's a nice, pretty case. And it, it's it just looks great on your shelf, and you will reference all three of these. Now, if you're a player only, really, you just need the player's handbook. You don't need the other two at all. But if you're going to be running games, you absolutely need all three. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people that start out as players will find themselves wanting to dip their toes into running games and you should yeah and it's it's it is a lot of fun when you when you do that because it's a completely different aspect of the game um so i mean if you have the means it's probably a good idea to pick up all three books but if you're strapped and you can only buy one thing obviously if you're going to be a player having your own copy of the player's handbook is is great Mm -hmm. yeah because that way you have it to reference there's a lot of really great information in there uh, so it's it's nice to have. Right. And by no means are we saying you have to drop money into this game to play it. You can learn through playing. <laughs> yeah. There Which, are there are a lot of free resources online mm-hmm. that tell you more about what you need to know on how to play this game. But at this point, this is hopefully you're playing with an experienced DM and stuff like that. If you were looking to get in from the ground and have no outside source, yeah, you're you're either going to be looking for a lot of these free resources or probably picking up a book or two. Yeah. And the books they're not not like insanely priced. No, you I mean the books are very reasonable. Yeah. You can find those core books at Walmart. Yeah. For 20 bucks. Yeah. So you're not looking at a, a huge investment, uh, especially if you're just buying one book. Right. Um, and obviously things are going to change. We've talked about this in the, you know, the last couple of episodes, too, about how, um, you know, they're changing how we're going to approach, you know, physical versus digital and stuff right. like that. So in the very near future, you might be getting two copies of a book when you buy it. Because uh, they've talked about that in interviews before. I think Chris Perkins specifically has said that one of the things that they're looking at is digital codes inside of physical books. So there could be a very foreseeable future where when you buy that physical book, you also get a digital book in D&D right. Beyond. Yeah, which, uh, you know, is exciting. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, that way you have it in two mediums. You can have it to quick reference, pull up on your phone. 
um, which means that you can search it, which is very cool. So mm-hmm. having a physical book is awesome, uh, especially if you're like a book collector or you're somebody that likes to have physical media in your hand. But one of the benefits of having a digital version on D&D Beyond is that you can actually quick search. So you can go in and search that book for terms. So if you want to find something fast or if you want to look up a specific rule, it's a lot easier to do so digitally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, physical is still a lot of fun. And sometimes people like to have that. They'd rather reference uh, you know, an actual physical object that they can hold. But, uh, yeah. Now, I've heard it said recently by a podcaster that the best way to learn D&D is to know how to play D&D. And <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive <laughs> and such, but, like, podcasts are huge. And this isn't me just being like, hey, listen to our podcast. You'll learn how to play D&D. We have, like, a back-and-forth talking format. We're not necessarily teaching you how to play in D&D. However, please subscribe and listen to our podcast. We love you all, and we will try our best to teach you how to play anything. Yeah. But what I'm referencing specifically are the live plays. You've got your Dimension 20s. You've got your Critical Roles. You've got your Not Another uh, D&D podcast, your Dungeons and Daddies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Adventure Zone. Listening to these experienced players play teaches you more in my opinion than you could get by reading all three books cover to cover yeah there's a lot that can be gleaned from listening to or watching in some cases other people play D. now granted you might not know the nitty-gritty of every single rule and stuff like that that's where the books come in handy and just experience but watching or listening to people just play the dang game is so influential in how speedy you can be and you know how turn order works and if someone uses terms uh bbeg big bad evil guy roll initiative you 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 kind of like start to figure out what these are make me a dexterity saving throw these are things you'll pick up on without ever looking at the rule book and you can know what they mean at session one yeah, watching or listening to podcasts or videos or something like that is a, is a little bit more organic way of learning these things. Absolutely. Because even when you're watching it or listening it, you don't realize how much you're picking up because you're really keying in on character interactions mm-hmm. and the actions that people are taking and action economy. Because right, that's you get huge. To, yeah, you get to really see... Uh, the thought processes some people go through Mm -hmm. and how they interact with each other. And like I said, it might not seem like it at the time, but you're actually picking up a lot more than you probably imagine. Yeah. So watching these podcasts and listening to these podcasts is a really good jumping off point to kind of know what's expected as far as like, you know, players in, in groups and, you know, what you can expect. Right. And I definitely, I know some things like Critical Role can be intimidating with hundreds of episodes and four to five hours each one. And Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a lifestyle. Yes, there's some deep dive stuff. And granted, Campaign 2 of Critical Role might be one of the favorite things I've ever experienced in my life. Something like uh, Dimension 20's Fantasy High is a very short, digestible show. But you still pick up so much in an entertaining fashion that you don't... You're not studying, you're not reading a book, you're not doing that, but you're learning the game through osmosis. 
Yeah, we're not saying that you have to jump into an 1,800-hour commitment of a, you know, a massive three-year-long story arc from, you know, celebrity DMs. There are tons of bite-sized live play kind of interactions that you can that you can watch and listen to that have just as high quality Mm -hmm. as these the big names the dimension 20s and the critical roles Mm -hmm. out there there's there's a lot of them out there i mean there are so many dungeons and dragons podcasts and or live plays on youtube and twitch um to choose from right now yeah and they're all they all have their own take and spin on the on the game and it's not always knights in shining armor fighting a dragon in a dungeon oh no of course not it, it really shows you it could be anything it could be tiny lego people um you know stealing some stuff from a vault inside a vent and like the kid's house it could be uh demons in hell <laughs> yeah like you could play as all kinds of things spacefaring adventures yes yeah. absolutely all using the same rule set and so you're you're not tied down to anything with Dungeons and Dragons though from the cover you might feel like you are limited to that but you're not you really once you know the rule set you can apply it to anything you want yeah now let's say you have listened to some podcasts you kind of have an understanding of this maybe you've bought a book or two and you want to get into the game well one big recommendation out the gate would be visiting your friendly local game store and seeing if there's any groups looking for players or any like D&D nights. Sometimes uh, local game stores will hold events specifically for teaching new players uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, and it might not you know, be even be something you even realized was in your local town. Um, I know that when we started getting heavily into D&D a couple years ago, uh, I started to go into the friendly local game stores that I always frequented, mm-hmm. right, for other reasons, for board games or for card games or anything like that. And little did I know that the, you know, over the years from the inception of the store, they had been hosting Dungeons and Dragons and people have been playing Dungeons and Dragons the entire time. I never really knew about it. I never looked at the community board. Right. Yeah. So go check out your local game store and a lot of them have a community board hidden somewhere uh, on a wall where people are looking for players or people are looking for games. And then there'll also be a lot of times information about the schedule for that store because a lot of these stores are sponsoring games. So they're, you know, trying to get people to come in and play. And then there are some that are just independent groups that are using the tables that exist in that store and the play space Mm -hmm. to kind of be a friendly meeting place for everybody to get together and play their games. Right. And if you're looking for something maybe a little more official, but still in the same location, uh, Wizards does sponsor and host a thing called the Adventures League. Yeah. And that's been going on for years. And it's something where you go and the rules are a little more strict, but that, you know, sometimes a nice little box (laughs) will actually help you get into something quicker. They're basically just making sure it's all um, approved rules and classes and stuff like that for making your character. It's one of those things that if you're actually interested in getting into Ventures League, I highly recommend just giving it a quick Google. All the information is right there. See if uh, any of those games is happening near you. And I've never went to one myself. However, I've heard great things. And I know last time we went to PAX South, they were there were Adventures League uh, sessions happening there. Yeah, there was quite a few of them happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's also uh, something you could 
pursue. Yeah, it's again something like he said, I have never personally participated in, but I know people that have and I've heard really good things about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like I said, it's a little bit different than, you know, sitting around a table with people that you do know or maybe people that you're, you know, FLGS. So it's a kind of a different experience because like you said, it's a little bit more boxed in Mm -hmm. um, just to be a little bit more regulated and make it a little bit more uniform of an experience for everybody involved. But that allows you to just, once you've done it a couple times and you have your character, you could just show up you can just show up. experience yeah so it's kind of like a built-in thing where you can just keep going back to it right right so you're going to have a very samey experience and you're going to know what to expect and not to say that's not going to be fun it's just going to be probably a different experience right. than playing with like your friends or playing you know like a pickup game yeah and if you're let's say you were looking to dm getting into that they have pre-written sessions and modules and stuff that they're like hey this is the session that will be ran across the board tonight yeah. and then you know that at that time, that day, many groups across, you know, are all playing the same thing. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. And it is very popular. I mean, the, yes, when absolutely. we saw it at PAX, there was plenty of people. There was oh, no yeah. shortage of people that wanted to play in Adventure League. So it is definitely something that is easily accessible if that's something you want to give a try. Now, let's say you don't want to play with some strangers. Uh, the next best option here, let's be real. You got to bully your friends into doing this with you. Yeah. <laughs> it might not actually take that much of a push. No. Most likely, if you're the type of person that would give Dungeons Dragons a shot, you've got a pretty solid chance that your friends are in the same boat. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons, likelihood is that you've got at least one friend that shares similar interests mm-hmm. to you that has maybe even just a passing a passing interest in what is Dungeons and Dragons and you know could it be something that I that I could have fun with right yeah and and it might surprise you to you know find that you have more people around you than you knew that would be interested in it and maybe somebody that doesn't think they would be interested in it could really be into it yeah yeah, because it doesn't take much, uh, you know, as far as in the way of playing to kind of see what it is. And I think that uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, does have uh, a way of subverting your ex- expectations in some cases. And some people have a a very narrow view of what Dungeons and Dragons is, right? And they're kind of like set in their way. But once they get more information on it. So they actually talk to somebody about it. And and I hear this all the time when I'm talking to people about what Dungeons and Dragons is, um, you know, and I tell them what it is and I explain to them something that happened and they're usually pretty amazed by it. And they're like, wow, that's not what I thought you were doing. Yeah. They thought you were wearing a wizard's hat and full on robes. Well, yeah, it either goes one of two (laughs) ways. Either goes to you're that person that i saw throwing the the orange colored socks in the field at the park (laughs) yelling fireball (laughs) or they're the person that you saw at the you know the bookstore over in the corner with mountains of books that looks like they're doing research and 150 dice that they just keep rolling randomly and then writing down statistics so it seems you're somewhere in the middle yeah (laughs) yeah exactly people that you know hear about it they're like oh yeah I, i thought you were one of those camps and then you tell them, no, this is kind of like what we did. And then, you know, sometimes they'll ask for more information and you get into telling them about a session that you had or a game that you had. And I think that's the coolest part is anytime I've ever told someone about Dungeons and Dragons, not once have I been like, yeah. And then I rolled a D20 and I added up my plus four modifier to 
it and I was able yeah. to avoid the fireball, so I only took half damage. No, it's and then the dragon came in and it breathed fire all over all of us, and I was able to duck to the side just enough that I only took half damage and I was the only one up, but I there was just enough time to squeak over to the side and pour a health potion down the cleric's gullet and it you remember it the way your character remembers it. Yeah, which you don't is so sit fun. there and go off of, you know, like your initiative roles and your you know, all these roles that you did. Nobody tells the stories like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody tells the stories as, you know, this fantastical adventure that they had. Right. And this funny thing that happened or this epic thing that happened. And when you bully your friends into doing this with you, these are gonna be stories that you recall <laughs> like that. Yeah. With each other. Yeah, and it's not even just bullying your friends. A lot of times, because this has happened to us before, we've been around people that are friends of ours, and we've started talking about things oh, that happened. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we're talking about like, oh, there was this this time that we did this thing, and wasn't that funny? Or we'll make a joke, and then you know somebody will ask, you know, like, well, that's a weird joke. Where did that come from? And then <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, let's tell you the story about how I ran into this uh, this creaky old uh, shed, and there was a rock on the ground, and I picked it up, and I died. I I turned to dust. <laughs> and I turned to dust. And I was a ghost for a little while. And right. then, yeah, there's like this whole story that goes along with it. And, you know, you you kind of get people's interest peaked because mm-hmm. they're all like, yeah, this is not what I thought Dungeons and Dragons was. Yeah. And then you could start bullying them. It's not just math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can be like, no, no, this is so much better. I think you should come and sit down with us or, you know, <laughs> like, let's just play a real quick game. We'll just you know, like right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if you're planning, if you're looking to get into Dungeons and Dragons and you're wanting to DM out the gate, you're definitely going to have to bully some people into doing this because obviously yeah. at this point you're the one that really wants to play and you're willing to fall on that sword. Yeah. So one of the most important things you need to figure out before you start jumping into a game, though, and this is some personal reflection, you know, self-reflection you got to do. What kind of D&D do you want to play? Yeah, because there is a lot of different types of Dungeons and Dragons out there. And we're not just speaking spacefaring combat versus elves in the trees or whatever. Yeah, or even game systems that right. aren't Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, we don't talk about those we here. We don't talk about those here. We talk <laughs> they about do Dungeons exist and Dragons. But they do I've exist. Heard. No. But we're talking about what type of game you want to have. Like mm-hmm. what kind of game you want to participate in or maybe what kind of game you want to run. And some of this will, through experience, I think it'll change as you grow as a player. But just going into it, what seems like what is piquing your interest? Um, for example, are you wanting to get into this game because you like the idea of role play? Are you a drama kid that just really wants to speak out in a funny voice and welcome the tr- people as they come by through the town? And maybe you want to take on some missions and save the fair maiden. Or you want to be the character that min-maxes their character sheet to figure out your damage output and what's the most efficient way that I could take this turn to make sure that I crush that goblin's skull open before he has a chance to even look at me. Or maybe it's somewhere in the middle and you're going to do a funny voice while you crush that goblin's skull. (laughs) You're going to do an accent while you roll some dice. Now, you don't have to do an accent. You don't even have to talk in the first person. Typically, the way I play, Tyler, is I'll do an accent, and I'll talk from the first person, and as I approach the barkeep, I pull up a stool and slide a piece of copper forward. I ask him what he's serving. But you can easily say, 
Okay. Um. Yeah. Then, uh, Rudy is going to. Uh, I guess he's going to approach the barkeep and he's going to sit down and um, he's going to ask what the barkeep is selling. And both are totally fine. Yeah. Neither one of those is the wrong way to play D and D. Absolutely. And it's just whatever you're most comfortable with. But both accomplish the exact same thing. Now, maybe if you've got a whole table where everybody is really good friends, you've all got a lot of trust built up, and you're all role-playing your characters in the first person, that could be pretty fun. It Personally, I think that's, that's a great time because then you're all laughing and just having a wonderful time or sad because you've really gotten into character. Maybe something terrible has happened in the story. But you could all 100% like moving pieces on a chessboard, be like, you know, knight to e5. <laughs> yeah. And, and say what's happened, and your DM will describe it, and it's it's a good time no matter what. Yeah, and there are tons of games out there that are both extremes and games that are a mix. So you kind of have to decide if you are the type of person that's going to go to play an adventure league, or you're going to go to your, your local game store and find a game of people. Um, to try and play with you need to figure out what those games are and whether or not they're the type of game that you want to participate in because there are you know dms out there that like to run very combat heavy simulation style Mm -hmm. games so that dm is building a world that is based largely on combat and the the interplay of characters in combat and i've seen like live plays that are like this and uh, i've seen a lot of games that are like this and that's great for those players because that's what they're looking for absolutely yes but you have to kind of temper your own expectations of what you're going into in a game and know the kind of game that you're approaching that's huge yeah because if you decide that you want to be the heavy role play character where you're going to do everything in character you're never going to talk about your character in third person you're always going to be in character and then you just jump into a game where nobody else wants to do that you might feel on the outs because it's not the kind of game that you were expecting mm-hmm. so that's where it's kind of important to decide how you want to play this game and make sure that the players that are at the table with you want to play a similar style game yep. so that you make sure that you're having fun because that's the main thing with all of this is making sure that you are going to be playing in the game that is fun for you mm-hmm. and it's the type of game that you want to play with and the type of game that you want to stick with because if you're not having fun obviously why do you want to be there right trust is huge in this game no matter how you play trust is the most important thing to me you no one should ever give anyone a hard time no matter how they choose to play yeah. as long as everyone's having fun um session zeros are huge for this mm-hmm they let you establish how everyone's going to be playing in your character and stuff. And if you get into a session zero and you don't like the vibe, talk to everybody, talk to the DM and it's a hundred percent. Okay. To leave the table after your first session or two and just be honest that maybe it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Or maybe some adjustments could be made as long as everyone is having a good time. This game is, it's the best game. And you should never just deal with it because you're already there. Yeah, because you're already there. Yeah. And you're not always going to have the opportunity for a session zero. But if you do, that's great because session zero is a really good place for everybody to set boundaries, to uh, really kind of set the tone for the entire game. 
And that's what makes session zeros so very important because it's really setting the stage for the rest of the game, however long it's going to be. But when you're coming into D&D as a new player, you might not have the opportunity to come into a session zero. Yeah. So if you're approaching the, you know, the FLGS side of things. So if I'm a new player and I run into my local game store, I see something on the board where they're looking for an extra player. This is what they have as far as current players. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I have. I'm really interested in playing a rogue and this party doesn't have one and they're, you know, three games in, right? So I'm not going to get that session zero experience, but that doesn't mean that you still can't know what you're getting into, right? So when you go to a game like that, it is a good idea to approach the DM and yes. kind of get a background on the game that's happening so that you can almost have a session zero of sorts. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the same, but it's a way for you to know what you're getting into because that way the DM can tell you what the expectations are and the type of game that it is. Because, you know, you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to get into a game where you're not comfortable, where you don't want to be. And making sure that everybody knows each other's boundaries is very important in a game like Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely, yeah. One big thing that I've picked up on after spending a, spending a pretty extensive time both DMing now and as a player is communication between the Dungeon Master and Dungeon Master to the players. You almost can't do too much of it. No. And I know sometimes when you're making your character, you want to hide things. You want to hide it from everybody. If you want to keep some secrets in your backstory and stuff like that, I highly recommend bringing up most of it to the DM ahead of time. You know, you don't have to give away, like, you know, maybe some, like, ah, no one expected this at all, but really, like, the more you divulge between each other, the better the DM can fit you into the world and make sure that this game is going to potentially cater towards what you were expecting. And if it, if it can't be done and this is something that's going to make or break your experience, the DM could just tell you right then and there. Yeah. And it's also not just you, it's other players at the table. Absolutely. Because if you have this, this idea of something that you want to do with your character, it's, it's very important that you approach your DM with this because I might have this really solid idea of something that I want to appear in my story. Right. And I didn't really think much about it. It's just, you know, like I want to include this. This is very important to me as a backstory. And I approach my DM first and I don't just drop it on the party in the middle of a game. Right. Yep. It's very important because if I approach my DM and I say this element of my backstory is important to me, that gives the DM the opportunity to come back at me and say, well, I, I get what you're coming from and that's a, it's a really great idea, but we have a player at the table that is uncomfortable with that scenario Yes, um, because, you know, like I said, it's not just about you, it's about the other players at the table. Mm -hmm. So the DM can then give you the information that you don't have because maybe there is a player at the table that has established boundaries in a session zero yeah. of what their expectations are and things that they would rather not be included in their story and in the fantasy story that they're involved in. And if you don't tell this to your DM and you drop it on the table, you could negatively impact somebody else's experience. Mm -hmm. So it is very important to share with your DM, you know, so that way they know, you know, they can give you a more information based experience so that you know whether or not what you're doing is something that's well for the game uh, or if it is and it's great it's easier for them to integrate you into that world yeah and to integrate you into that story now one big thing about that is 
this is a shared experience, like Richard mentioned, and you are not the main character. You some you're gonna have to let some things slide. Yeah. Now, like I mentioned, the communication. Maybe if everybody does talk to the DM, you can make it all fit. If if you you have an experienced DM that can weave this story to include everyone's vision of their character, it can be a rewarding experience for everybody. But not everything will make the cutting room floor sometimes. And you have to be accepting of it. Yeah, that. and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's say you don't have any friends. <laughs> let's say you don't live near a friendly local game store. But you have internet. <laughs> Websites like startplaying.com are not a bad way to dive into D&D a bit. Yeah. Now, granted, um, a lot of DMs on there are very experienced dungeon masters that will charge a small fee, sometimes like $5 a session or more, depending on what they're running or skill level. And some people don't agree with this, that you should be charging for this service. Oh, Dungeon Master is just a game. You shouldn't. They put a lot of time and effort into, into setting these campaigns up and these sessions, and I don't see the issue with paying them for their service, especially if it's a service you're willing to pay for. No, I, I don't find an issue with it at all. And it's actually kind of, it's there's kind of two ways to look at that argument. Number one being, yeah, you're they're providing you with a service. They're taking time out of their their schedule to write a story for you, mm-hmm. a, a completely unique story for you to weave your character into something. Right. Um, but also, it honestly kind of helps as a screening process in some yeah. cases. Because when you have a game and you're you know trying to organize five people to get together in one location for one game yeah online or otherwise uh it is kind of hard to get schedules to line up and uh brutal honesty is if some, somebody's paying for an experience they're going to be more likely to show up right it yeah it's like that's wow that's yeah absolutely true it's kind of like college <laughs> yeah college versus high school you're like oh man i'm paying to be here yeah i'm paying to be here <laughs> i'm gonna get my money's worth yeah now, I just wanted to bring that up. We're not going to dive on that too long, but startplaying.com and other websites are definitely an option if you really want to get into the game, but you don't have another outlet. Or even if you do and you just want to maybe dive into some, I want to say professionally ran sessions, maybe, yeah. you know, like really get a, a firm start. You can go on there and look at read reviews from past players. And man, there's some, there's some people in there that I've considered like, you know, Jump on it as a player for and really see what these, you know, very experienced DMs are like. Yeah, um, and some of those games don't have to be a long-term commitment. No, they've got one-shots galore on there. You can yeah. really just hop in for a game or two. Yeah, so it's not we're not talking like a massive monetary commitment for some right. of these games. It's, you know, less than you'd spend on lunch. Yeah, and see if you like it. Yeah, to see if you like it. Now, what's a good way, Richard, to get into a character... And you're sitting in the car, or you're at home in the mirror, (laughs) (laughs) or sitting in your recording studio by yourself, and it's 2 a.m., and no one but the dog is awake, and man, you just thought of a a, a cool tabaxi. (laughs) So one of the things that that I have heard from people is I want to play Dungeons & Dragons, right? And I want to play role play, 
Yes. Like I want to get into my character. That's right. the most interesting thing to me is the acting aspect of it to go sit down and be somebody else for two hours for three hours. Yeah. But then they immediately realize that they have no idea how to approach that because they're they're nervous and actually the first time that i ever played dungeons and dragons when i was younger mm-hmm. i think the first game that i ever played i was probably around 14 or so um my biggest fear was i watched you know my sister and her friends play dungeons and dragons before i ever played yeah. and i watched them role play mm-hmm. and the games then when i started were extremely role play heavy there was combat, there was dice, but not anywhere near the amount of combat that I've played in the more recent games in 5e. These, these games were heavy, heavy role-play games. So immediately, my first fear was, how am I going to do that? I can't be somebody else. I feel silly. Um, even the idea of talking in another voice or using an accent or pretending to be somebody that I'm not makes my skin crawl and I don't know how I can do that. People are going to make fun of me. They're not, you know, nobody in the group is going to like it. Everybody's going to be laughing at me after the game is over and everything like that. And that's so not true for, for this game. Most of the time you get into these games with these people, everybody has that fear, almost everybody, but nobody's laughing at you. And the best way to get over it is to practice. And if they are laughing at you, they need to leave. Yeah. They need to find a different group. At the at the very least, if you get there and that's kind of the vibe, you're at the wrong table. Yeah, you're at friend. the wrong table. You got to find a new table. Yeah, but yeah, the best way to do it is to practice. Um, you know, and I now am to the point where I do feel comfortable stepping into my characters. But those characters have to be developed somewhere, yeah. right? And like I said before in a, a previous episode, when we were talking about our Curse of Strahd characters where nobody knew our characters until session zero. So nobody heard Trist's voice until session zero. Including me. Same thing happened with Victor in Acquisitions Incorporated uh, game. Nobody knew who Victor was. You know, Tyler, as my DM, saw my age on the paper. You saw my character. The other players had no idea anything about this character. And then all of a sudden it comes around to my turn to do introductions and I introduce him and I give the descriptor of what he is and then immediately start talking in an old man voice (laughs) and everybody's like looking at like, what, what is happening? And (laughs) oh my God, this is going to be two years (laughs) of this old man. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt about Trist. Yeah. And so that's just starting (laughs) with those characters. It it wasn't just instantly, I didn't just turn on Victor. Yeah. I didn't just turn on Trist on session zero. I had to get there, right? Right. And how did I get there? Was practicing. Uh, I got there by thinking about the character that I wanted, thinking about the way that they were going to talk. And when I'm driving in the car alone or I'm sitting at my desk working or something like that, I talk to myself. You talk to yourself. You talk to an imaginary friend. Uh, You can imagine your character in a situation uh, and how they would react to that situation. It's it's weird. I am not an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I am in no movies. Right. So I have no way to speak on actors behalves and how they how they train themselves to to be these characters. I just know how I do it, which is, you know, I like to imagine my character in a situation. 
and then how would that character react in that situation and this is all purely hypothetical because i have no idea what situations my <laughs> D uh, dm is going to put me in right but this way i get to practice my character and it sounds ridiculous i mean especially when you're creating your backstory stuff you've absolutely your character has been through some moments before coming to this game yeah so you can go through these scenarios and as someone even running a game they man the amount of voices i've i've developed just while driving long distances and been like okay uh i really want to introduce a small spider that wants to unlife itself what would this spider say and it's like okay ooh we uh hit me with a spell scroll and, and take me out in, in me now. And I'm like, okay, but it's a tiny spider. Ooh-wee. And you just start trying to squeak the voice down more and more. And I think it literally took two or three days before I can talk like this. And ooh-wee, draw me with a spell scroll and spin me across the face until I'm not around. Ooh. And it hurt. <laughs> in about a week of... No pain, no gain. A week of speaking. And now I could do it for hours <laughs> without any issue. And that's one example of many. There are many voices that you just kind of learn how to do by practicing over and over again. And none of it's necessary. No. Like we said before, you don't have to do voices. Yeah. But man, it voices fun. are fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's so fun. And I think that a lot of people do want to play a game like that, but they feel intimidated by it. Yeah. Because they don't know how to approach it. And it's just something that, I mean, you all done it. I don't tell me. Don't you sit there and tell me that you haven't spoken in a silly voice. Oh, for sure. To your dog, to your cat. I know your cat has a voice yeah. that you use when you're talking to just that cat. All you have to do is pretend that you're now a tabaxi. Oh, no, no. And that's your voice. I talk to my cat in, in my voice. My cat talks to me like uh, this. My yeah. cat wants to know why, human, you have not fed me tonight. And I'm like, I fed you this morning. And she's like, that's not good enough, human. Yeah. So I know you've done it. Yeah. Now, a great example is my wife. Our first campaign uh, that she had played in, the Acquisitions Incorporated, she wanted to do a Valley Girl accent. And you can attest to this after we played with her for a couple of years. Not once did she do a Valley Girl accent? What it was was, hey, everybody, I'm Klepto and I'm very quiet. And it canonically established that she was a very shy and quiet character. And it worked. Yeah. It became the character. That's not what she envisioned at all. I think on night one, she was intimidated by sitting in a group of, even though she knew all of us and we were all friends, she didn't have the trust built up yet. But yeah. after two years of listening to the rest of us do goofy voices and never judge anyone for it, she came into a second short-lived character with the kind of Fasafani voice, you know, a little bit. And then now we're starting off this campaign and she's like, hey, bros, what's going on? Everybody. And she's like totally committing. Yeah. And she's committing to the bit. And that is not something I ever would have expected to have actually happened. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. And you don't have to do this. So, you know, we talk about sitting in the car and practicing and practicing in your mirror and talking to your cat and having your cat talk back to you. Uh, I actually have a character that I didn't have a voice for. Uh, my little uh, chef 
Fitch. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> he did not have a voice. No, every session his voice changed. I tried, like, I was like, oh, I, I gotta come up with a voice for Fitch. And then I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for Fitch. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna wing it. And whatever voice comes out of me at the table when the introduction happens, that's Fitch's voice. And it didn't quite work out that way. Not at he, all. He had a voice that session. I think the next session, he was kind of like a young Victor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so yep. Victor was still there, but now just, you know, shave off about 30 years. It was, you know, <laughs> Victor in his 30s. Uh, and then the session after that, uh, there was a, I don't know, he kind of sounded like Morty. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a little bit all over the place. It took about four sessions before... Fitch started to really kind of have a unified direction and even then it was very loose and what I find interesting about this is you started this little bit off with oh you don't have to practice the voice you just gave the best example of why you should practice the voice yeah I, well, I'm just saying that, that that wasn't horrible no I mean I gave you crap for it personally yeah. everybody <laughs> was all like wait a second who's talking that, who, that sounds who like is Victor. That? that's not Fitch <laughs> like no that's that's Fitch I promise yeah and then yeah. it's but it, what's funny is you just said that in Fitch's voice yeah exactly because now you've landed on Fitch's voice. Fitch got his voice eventually. Yeah. It just didn't happen in advance like it happened with Victor, like sure. it happened with Trist. Uh, and Nith didn't have a voice. No, Nith was y- Richard. Nith was me. Yeah. So Nith Which was my, my character insert when we first started playing. And, I, you know, when we first started Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I didn't have a plan for Nith for a voice. I just didn't. Yeah. So it was all like, okay. He doesn't need one because I, he's just me. I didn't. This is this is when we didn't have the books. We didn't have anything. We just made it any beyond account, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And th- this was a scenario where we basically got bullied by a friend into playing with him. And man, I am so glad that happened. Yeah. Because I mean, we're literally making a Dungeons and Dragons podcast every week now because we love this game so much. Yes, and because we love it so much. Garrett is the one that introduced it to us in this sense. Richard played back in the nineties, but he barely remembers that. <laughs> it's such a blur. <laughs> so it, I also didn't go to that game with a voice, but as I was introducing my character, and I'm like, okay, I'm. You know, Matal, Dragonborn. I made the mistake of being like, I have plate mail, because that's how I imagined it. I didn't have plate mail. I didn't know that. No one corrected me. Eventually, I got plate <laughs> mail. You know, stats matter. But, like, he just let me describe the character the way I, you know, I imagined it, which was great. And then it was my voice, but I talk a little bit lower, which, as an edgy paladin, was fine. It worked. And, like, that was nice. And like, man, do I have so many characters in my mind? I have, I have a tiefling girl named Squibbly Boop that one day I'll play, and uh, she speaks very soft spokenly. She's super shy, and she's just, you know, as long as nobody kicks her out of the team, she'll just be really happy to be here. And I want to play that character so bad, and I have so many ideas for her, and I have practiced that voice, and I just do it in the car because <laughs> that's my that's my space. And it, the commute to work is great for this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really good. But like I said, you don't have to do that. I think we've spent half this podcast teaching people how to get into D&D on how to do funny voices. <laughs> on how to do funny voices. Well, I think that it is a big hurdle for a lot of people. I, you know what? Aside from just doing it, just committing and actually playing D&D. And this is a wonder, wonderful area where it's nice to have friends. Because if you are getting into this alone, 
Maybe there's more hurdles. If you're getting this with a buddy, you can both just push each other because it's going to be fun. You're going to have a good time. But yeah, now you've got a great point. Outside of just actually playing D&D, the next big hurdle I see is, are you going to role play? Yeah. it's a good point. Now, one big thing I want to bring up, and we've mentioned it here and there already, but if you really want to play D&D, and you're willing to put in the effort, you've listened to some podcasts, you've bought the books, you still can't find a group that you know vibes with what you're wanting or there's just not one in your area. I know I mentioned bullying your friends into playing D&D, you know, stuff like that. I don't actually bully them, you know. You could talk them into, etc. But if you are willing to fall on the the sword and be the hero that I know you are, you can DM. And wow, does DM feel nerve-wracking. I played through an entire campaign listened to over 500 hours for real <laughs> of critical role. I had read books. I had watched YouTube videos, tutorials running the first session of our acquisitions incorporated campaign was one of the most nervous times in my life. I can remember. <laughs> and I think the next 50 sessions after that, I felt the same and just starting curse of Strahd. I felt the same until about 15 minutes before we played. Now there's a big improvement there. <laughs> Richard, how, and feel free to shoot me down. How was that first session of Acquisitions Incorporated? Acquisitions My first Incorporated? game running ever. So that's the funny thing is, is you tell me how terrified you were uh-huh. and <laughs> how you feel that you were ill-prepared. Yeah, literally ill. <laughs> And my memories of Session Zero for Acquisitions Incorporated were almost flawless. Everything just worked, and everything was perfect. We There was never a point where we got to a position where you didn't know where we were going, and you didn't know what was happening. So it seemed very well put together. Um, I don't remember any part of it feeling like there was any flip-flopping or any squirming on your behalf, uh, it was very well done. The biggest thing to remember, if you are running your first session, is that whatever you say is kind of just what happens. Yeah. So if your players are like, oh, what's over here? And you say, oh, there's nothing, or it's the wall, or it's another area of the town. Oh, you're running a campaign, you're running a module, and they have to go left, but they choose to go right. Well, the thing that was to the left is now on the right. Yeah. You just make it work. You move the goalpost. You move the goalpost. And as long as you are fluid. Now, this is this you run into a really interesting position here of like, do you prep everything? Do you spend weeks prepping? Your session zero, maybe. Your session one, maybe. I hundred percent don't blame you. Prep as much as you need to do to feel comfortable. And once you feel comfortable, you're good to go. But after that. You can absolutely just know where the goalpost is or what the goalpost is <laughs> and where you're starting that session and make it up from there. If you can improvise and you feel comfortable with that and your players feel comfortable with that, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's it's easier than you think it is. A hundred percent. It's way easier than you think it is. And at the end of the day, you're playing a game. You're there to have fun. Mm-hmm. So being a dungeon master, as daunting as it sounds. Super daunting. 
Daunting master. It's not as high stakes as you think it is. Because you are just, you're building a world. Yeah. And you're asking your friends to play in your sandbox. Mm -hmm. And as long as everybody's having fun and they're having a good time, then it's a success. Are you going to make mistakes? Probably. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But as long as you handle them well and you keep the flow going, it's not as bad as you think it is. Speaking of podcasts, though. And this is a this is a dangerous subject, and I want to emphasize this. Your DM slash you, if you are the DM, is not Matt Mercer. Probably. It's not Brennan Lee Mulligan. No. Most likely. Is it Abrea? Maybe. You don't have to be these people to be an amazing dungeon master. You can learn from these people. Yeah, of and course. Pull apart little things they do and mannerisms and the way they build worlds, the way Matt can describe the details of a scene is unparalleled. The way Brennan can make stuff up on the fly without yeah. any effort is His impeccable wit. It's so good. Abrea with her willingness to bend the rules, even in a scenario where it works for the player's enjoyment is commendable. And you should Never, ever give someone hate for running you a game and not being one of them. Yeah. Especially when they're learning. But ever. Now, Dungeon Masters, your players are not, most likely, Liam O'Brien. Travis Willingham. Sam Regal. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, you don't expect them to be professional voice actors. Or professional dungeon, or uh, yeah, professional dungeon dungeons and dragon players. <laughs> Don't expect this of them. As long as all of you are on the same level, going into this with trust and expecting the same from everybody to just have a great time. That's what's going to happen. Don't put pressure on yourself and don't put pressure on the others. Yeah. Just play the game and I promise it gets better every time you play. It's real easy to have a good time if you let it. Yes. Now, if episodes like this are something you are interested in, please let us know either on the YouTube comments or anchor.fm slash true strike. Maybe hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. It could You could shoot us down. You could build us up. Whatever you want to do, we just want to hear from you guys. Yeah. Now, in the future, we'll probably jump into some episodes maybe themed around building characters or choosing the right species or class for you. And just little little tidbits and advice from us uh, on things like that and that nature. I had a great time filming this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Anything else? No, I think we covered everything. Okay. I'm sure we didn't, but we'll tackle that next time. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, go out and play some D&D. Yes. Don't let anything get in your way. If this is something you want to do, this hobby is amazing. The community is amazing. And this could for real just either be a game to you or it could be a lifestyle. <laughs> either is fine. And they're both fun and acceptable. <laughs> yep. But till then, I've been Tyler. And I've been Richard. And we've been True, True Strike. Strike. <laughs>
Hey, adventurers. Thanks again for joining us today. Please be sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. If there's anything you'd like to write into the show, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. New episodes release every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to True Strike.